Hello and welcome to PB&J at the Movies. This week we are reviewing The Favorite, directed by Yorgos Lanthimos. Um, this is the story of early 18th century England when a frail Queen Anne occupies the throne and her close friend Lady Sarah governs the country in her stead. When a new servant Abigail arrives, her charm endears her to Sarah. Um, Queen Anne is played by Olivia Coleman, uh, Lady Sarah is played by Rachel Weiss, and Abigail is played by Emma Stone. Um, I'm Becca. I'm Jeff. And we have um, Jeff's new rescue puppy, Sawyer, with us um, in the place of Philip this evening. Um, so yeah, welcome to The Favorite. All right, welcome to PB&J. Um, like I said, we're reviewing The Favorite today. And Jeff, tell me what, what your first thoughts on this movie were. This, no pun intended, is my favorite movie <laughs> of the year that I've seen so far. It's number one. Um, I've got a couple of good ones coming still that I have not seen, so we'll see if it remains number one. But I loved everything about this movie. Okay, well, there you go. Um, Becca, what my, are your thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> myself, um, I did not love this movie. This, this is probably, other than Halloween, is the one movie that, that we've re reviewed so far that I didn't just love. Um, I didn't hate it, but it's definitely not a movie that I would see again. Like, I think I'm one and done. Um... I appreciated the acting. I appreciated the um, cinematography, um, and I appreciated. Wait, did I appreciate the cinematography? I did. It's unique. You can at least say that. I appreciated the costumes, but yeah, this is probably the first movie that we've had a major con difference. Conflicting opinions on. Yes. Um, so tell me why specifically you liked it. I think the acting is the best we've seen in any movie so far this year. I love the fact that it's a movie set in uh, England in probably the 1800s. I think that's when it's It was set. early 18th century, yeah. So 1700s. So early, yeah, early 1700s. Okay, so that's set there. But the women are in charge, but right. it shows what they have to do and how manipulative they have to be and play this game to be in charge. Yep. And it shows kind of all the men as like these useless characters that are just being manipulated in this chess game run by women. That's not something that you normally see in these types of movies. I did appreciate at all, that. Ever. I loved its portrayal of like a postpartum depression psychosis that Olivia Coleman did, who I think is the best lead actress performance we've seen this year, um, by far. Um, she did do an amazing job. And I've job. seen I've seen the wife by going close. I've seen Lady Gaga in the Star Is Born. I've seen that, and I I think this is the best out of anything we've seen so far. Um, I think Emma Stone and Rachel Weisz are both phenomenal as well. I actually think Rachel Weiss is probably the best performance of the movie. 
I don't know. It's opinion. a toss-up between her and Olivia Coleman for me, but... See, I actually think Olivia Coleman is the third best. Really? But it doesn't matter because she's the only one going for in lead. The other two are yeah. supporting. Um, so, yeah. That's why I think... But, she... I mean, when 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 Olivia, when Queen Anne is, is talking about um, the 17 miscarriages that she's had, I mean, that was a really difficult scene, and... And she replaces them with Bunnies. the rabbits that yeah. she keeps, and she names them what she named the babies, and then she talks about their day, which is the day that the babies died. Right. Like, I think yes. she did a good job of having a balance between she's like a doofus, mm-hmm. but there's also times where she does assert her power, and she knows when she's being played. Um and so I did. I did think she did a, a good balance. Uh, portrayed, um, did a good job of portraying that. Um, and then yeah, Rachel Weiss. Like, I in the beginning of the movie, I felt sorry for Emma Stone, and I didn't like Rachel Weiss. Mm-hmm. And then by the end of the movie, it was the opposite. The scene where it completely, like, we built up to the switch, right? But the scene where it completely, I just could not stand Emma Stone's character anymore is the scene where she's drunk at that party. Yep. And she's flirting with a guy who's not her husband. Yep. And I was like, I'm done with you. Yeah. But I think it was necessary for character development. Yeah. um, And to show what they had to do to get power and how to manipulate I will say, I thought the first two-thirds of this film were the funniest thing I've seen this year. And you sat right by me. You know I laughed a lot You in this did. Movie, you did. Especially the first two-thirds. Then it got more serious. Yeah. And it was funny. I didn't quite laugh as much. Um, well, I'm more vulgar than you, and this movie was very <laughs> vulgar. Yeah. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, I will agree. The acting was good. As you know, I'm not the biggest Emma Stone fan, so for whatever reason, I I can't really put my finger on why I'm not a big Emma Stone fan, but I feel like in a lot of her roles, me personally, I feel like she tries too hard, and um, it it just kind of comes across as a little forced for me, but um, I I will say that that the acting in this movie was really, really good. one of the things that we talked about with Olivia Coleman is at the end of the movie, she has a stroke and I am not, um, very knowledgeable in the medical, uh, arena, but I kind of knew right off the bat that it was what it was, what had happened to her. So she, um, she did a great job portraying that. Um, so the acting, yes, the acting was great. I guess for me, and our friend Becca Burkle said this earlier this evening um, before we started recording, but um, she said for you, Jeff, when for, for, for a movie to be very successful for you, it has to have great acting. Yes. For me, that is also true, but I'm more of like a big picture. I have to like, you know, what, what did she say? The the whole the whole is greater than the sum or the sum of its parts is greater than each right. individual part so the acting is very important to me but also like the story and 
there's lots of different parts that have to fit together for me. And so for me, the story, even though I realize it is based on a true story, um, I don't know. There's Okay, so there are elements, I will concede this, there are elements of the story that are not as strong. Like, there's not a clear beginning, middle, and end mm-hmm. to this. So the story is not as strong. I agree with you on that. I also recognize you pay way more attention to things like sound, score, music, in a film. So, I don't know. I loved the score in this. Mm-hmm. I loved all the har- uh, harp score. Does that harp Oh, harp, har- uh, harp score. I don't know. Harp <laughs> Wait. Whatever, it's the Harps, thing that... Harpsichord. 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 It's, a, it's like the instrument that's between a piano and an organ yep. Yep. kind of thing. And that was very appropriate. Yes, and I loved it. So I think it was really good, but I don't notice those things near as much as you do. One thing I forgot to say of why I loved it is the costuming, which I definitely think yes. they will get an Oscar nomination for. I will agree Costume, with that. maybe hair and makeup, and, and also probably for... Um, production design yes now one thing i love about this film it's a period piece and when you think of hair and makeup and a period piece what do you think of automatically you think of the women the women i think are portrayed much more naturalistically right than the men in this film and they're made to look crazy and i think that's done on purpose yet once again i think they're made to look ridiculous because this is all about female empowerment and women being in charge of manipulating. So I think it's very pers- uh, purposeful that the men are around in these crazy wigs the whole time. Makeup. Crazy makeup. That's, I mean, I wanted to just pluck that mole off that guy's face. <laughs> I don't know who that is. <laughs> but it was crazy. And so I think that's done very purposefully. And I love the fact that this is probably going to get nominated for hair and makeup. More so for the men's hair and makeup mm, than the women's. That's a good point. Which kind of like throws everything, especially for a period piece, right. on its side. Because right. usually that's not what happens. And then I said earlier I appreciated the cinematography. I think I misspoke. Um, there, there were certain scenes where they used a fisheye lens, which made me a little nauseous, I guess. Um, and then there were scenes where they would, you know, zoom in and zoom out. And I, I don't know. I, so I, I didn't really care for the cinematography mm-hmm. that much. Um, one thing about the, the story, I always say, um, that I love a movie that is more closely aligns itself with real life. It's not so black and white where there's a good guy and a bad guy. I like movies that are, you know, it's it's more of a gray area. Well, I always say that, but then with this movie, there's really not anybody you pull for. And so it kind of, at the end of the movie, it left me feeling a little empty. It kind of left me feeling a little apathetic to these characters because I don't really like any of them. And maybe that's one reason why I left the movie just, I don't know, kind of with a bad taste in my mouth is there was not, mm-hmm. even though I, I realized that real life, sometimes you, there's not a good guy. Um, I didn't, I don't know, I didn't have anyone that I was rooting for. And so maybe that had to do with, I don't know. Um, I do want to address the one thing that I know you really disliked about the film, and at first I didn't understand it, and now that I've thought about it, I understand it. 
So the scene, and it kind of comes out of nowhere, and I think that's one of the problems is there's no buildup to it. The naked man? The naked man. Where Was that a, 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 like a game in. back By then? By the way, there's a lot of nudity in this film. Yes, a lot of nudity, and so some prepare of it, yourself. Some of it is done really well, like... Emma Stone, by the way, I know you don't like her this that much. This was her first. Her? No, I don't know if it's her first. It was. Oh, it was? Yeah. Okay. Her first nude scene in, was in this movie. Um, My two favorite scenes in this movie are with her. One is with her nude. So that scene is one of my favorites where she's in bed with the queen mm-hmm. and Rachel Weiss comes in and is shocked and then turns around, and everything's lit naturally with candlelight, and you see Emma Stone's eyes just open as Rachel Weisz turns around. That's one of my favorite scenes in this movie, yep. because it's shot so well, and it just portrays everything that that director wants to portray there. And the other one is after she decides to go hit herself, mm-hmm. and then she's sitting on the ground wailing, and the queen comes out, mm-hmm. and she's like, there's blood on her face. It's a it's a ploy. It's a ploy that she's using to get um, sympathy. Sarah's character basically in trouble. Right, and and sympathy from the queen. Yes, and so I think it's interesting that those two were my favorite. Right. Scenes with her. Now, the other one that you're talking, that I'm bringing up, is the scene where all the men are throwing fruit at a naked man in a wig. That very strangely resembled James Corden. Yeah, it's not him, but it does resemble him. And it looked like he was having fun, so I don't know Yeah, it wasn't a a torture thing. It was like a a hazing thing or something. I don't know. Think about, though, why that's in there. Because... Emma Stone's walking by, and she walks in, and she's kind of like, what is going on? Like, I don't think she cared, though. I think she, she wanted Nicholas Holt's attention. contrast of this is, you've got these women who are plotting this whole thing with the war against France and trying to run the politics of England, and while the men in the court are getting together and throwing rotting fruit and at having duck naked, races and having duck races, <laughs> yeah, do you see what I'm saying? I think it just goes to show again the power dynamic that Yorgos Lanthimos is trying to show and showing that these men are idiots. These women are the ones who are thinking about things and they're they're having these devious plots to get into power and get what they want done, right? right? And so I think that's another way that it shows that is that there's this ridiculous thing they're doing in court while these women are back behind the scenes trying to run policy. Right, right. Do you see what I'm saying? Right. And I do need to say one thing. I said I didn't appreciate... I've gone back and forth on the cinematography, but I wanted to say I did appreciate the fact that Philip Philip brought this up after the movie. Um, He read that uh, all the lighting was natural lighting. So any scene that was at night was lit by candlelight or by a torch. Um, And so uh, in that sense, I I did appreciate that. I thought that was... um, a nice touch. And it's very true to the time period. Exactly. Because that's what would have been true for the time exactly. period. Exactly. So I think it's that's really beautiful. cool. It yeah. was beautiful. It was done very well. Um, I think the ending was kind of strange and I don't really understand it. I've been trying okay to 
I've been trying to figure out the meaning of the bunnies superimposed with with Emma Stone's character rubbing the queen's legs for circulation. I've I've been trying to figure that one out. I think I I, I guess it's a scene that's showing Emma is realizing that um, I think in the end, um, you know, Rachel Weiss's character has been sent away. Emma got her way. Um, but she has... She's kind of also now out of favor with the queen as well, but there's no one to replace her. There's no other favorite right. to come in. And and in the very last scene, um, spoiler, if we haven't already spo- spoiled the whole movie for you, um, Emma is enjoying uh, being a lady and being in the queen's favor, and um, there's this one scene where one of the queen's bunnies... Um, she like puts her foot on it and you think she's going to squish it. And I was really nervous during that scene. And then the queen sees that and she has been unhappy ever since Rachel Weiss's character has left, but she's been banished and the queen can't do anything about it. And she knows that Rachel will never come back. Um, and so she gets upset and she orders... Emma Stone's character, who is a lady, um, to rub her legs as as a maid would do, you know, um, which is what Emma used to be. And there's this really drawn out scene where Emma's like, you know, kind of realizing that she's fallen out of favor with the queen. But then, like I said, it's the image is superimposed with these bunnies, which looks like they're multiplying and multiplying. I don't know. So, yeah, I, I can't I don't really figure that one out. Either. I haven't read any on it, so I don't know. Someone else smarter than me has figured it out and can tell me. But if you've seen Killing of a Sacred Deer by Yorgos Lanthimos, I mean, it's, it's pretty weird, too. Um, and so, knowing the director, I... I guess I wasn't really surprised that it left me feeling kind of confused, but yeah, I couldn't figure that one out. Mm-hmm. Um, so, a couple of other things I want to just mention before we move on. Thing about the hair and makeup, no guy looks good in those wigs and no. that makeup because even Joe Alwyn, sorry yes. Taylor Swift, Miss uh, Mr. Taylor Swift is in this movie. <laughs> Um, and he's super attractive in real life. Yes. And he looks, like, terrible. Yes. In a wig and makeup. And makeup. Which is part of a plot in this because, essentially, Emma Stone's character kind of tells him, like, I'm not really attracted to you in this wig and makeup. Like, you need to take it all off, kind of. Yeah. Um, which I think is interesting. Um, so I really liked that part of it. The other thing is, I talked about the costumes already, but I don't think I've talked about Rachel Weisz. If she shows up to the Oscars in the pantsuit that she comes in 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 half the movie, like, if she shows up with that and the scar drawn on her face... Killer. I will lose my mind. Yes. Like, she looked phenomenal. Yes, she did. In that. And I think that right there, out of everything we've I've seen this year, I think that right there deserves the costume Oscar. Yes. <laughs> Just... Because she struts in in this, and she's like taking charge, Power Woman, and I love it. Yes. And so, 
I would love it. Um, we're going to start it right here in Little Rock, Arkansas. The campaign for Rachel Weisz <laughs> to show up at the Oscars in this uh, 18th century pantsuit with a scar drawn on her face. Rachel, if you're listening, <laughs> please do that. Those are the, the last two things I want to say about this film. Yes. So, is that pretty much all about the movie that we want to see? Probably. Say? I would just like to say, so far, now there's still some other things I haven't seen yet coming out that I think can be great, such as Vice, uh, Mary Poppins Returns, Bill I haven't Street. seen Bill Street, I haven't seen Roma yet. So I would say those four are probably the last four that could prop that could possibly knock this out. But for me, the favorite so far is my number one film of the year. And I know that makes Becca like not die me. a little not bit inside. <laughs> I would have to say so far, Green Book and Can You Ever Forgive Me are probably my two favorites. Those are both in my top five. Yes. But yes. this is my number one. Yes. And, and like I and said, I didn't, I didn't hate this movie. It is just a movie that I would probably not see again. Um, but I guess it's a good time now to talk about where this falls in awards season. So the one thing I want to talk about, and I'm sorry, the dog just farted and it smells really bad. <laughs> it hasn't <laughs> been yet. Sawyer. That's Sawyer's contribution to the... Bless him podcast um so the one thing i want to talk about is sag the sag award nominations came out last week and the reason i want to talk about that is the actors branch is the largest voting branch of the academy so larger than producers directors costume like larger than any other branch so that's why i take sag more seriously than anyone else when looking at oscar stuff so a couple of really interesting things happened. The first one that happened, I think, in an acting race was that Regina King was not nominated from, for, from Bill Street. Yep. Was not nominated for Best Supporting Actress. Um, and she's been winning everything and all the critic stuff that's come out so far this year. Everyone's kind of was kind of predicting her just a cakewalk to this win. And now, aka JK Simmons. Um, from a couple of years ago, who just won everything for Whiplash before he won the Oscar. Um, and now that's all in question. And some Oscar predictors are now even questioning, will she be nominated? Um, whereas the day before the SAG nominations, almost everyone had her predicted to win the Oscar. Wow. Um, so, and the reason that that's interesting is because only two people ever have won an acting award at the Oscars without getting a SAG nomination. So those two people are Marsha Gay Harden in 2000 for Pollock. She did not get a SAG nomination, and she won the Oscar. The other person was Christoph Waltz for his second um, win in 2012 for Django Unchained. Um, so the odds are not looking good. For her to win. Right. I definitely think that she will probably still get nominated, but I don't know if she's going to win or not. And this is for supporting. And this is for supporting actress, which this is probably the best news in the world for Amy Adams. Yeah, so who who's the competition? Amy Adams so, for Vice. Amy Adams for Vice. And then we just talked about the favorite. So both Rachel Weiss and Emma Stone. Who will probably cancel each other out. Yes, for a win. But they'll right. probably both get nominated. Okay. Because in nominations, you can vote for more than one person. Sure. Whereas for a win, you can only vote for one. Um, so they'll probably cancel each other out. 
I think Regina King will still be nominated. And then I don't know who's in that fifth spot. Some people Constance are... Constance Wu? She's the lead. Oh. So the one that a lot of people, though, are predicting from Crazy Rich Asians are, is Michelle Yeoh. Oh, okay. From Crazy Rich Asians, a lot of people are predicting that. Um, I think the fact that she did not get nominated at SAG, though, might mean that she's not really around. Um, the other two people nominated at SAG are kind of out of the blue. They haven't really gotten nominations anywhere else because at SAG, the, the nominations were, um, Rachel Weisz, Emma Stone, and Amy Adams, like we just said, and then Emily Blunt for A Quiet Place. Oh, yeah. And then Margot Robbie for Mary Queen of Scots. Mm. And those two haven't shown up anywhere else. Mm. So that's kind of interesting. Um... I don't think either of them will win. So I think at this point, that's the best news ever for Amy Adams. Yep. Because <laughs> that's kind of a lot of history to go against to be the third person ever to win the Oscar without getting a SAG nomination. And has Amy Adams ever... Is she, has she won an Oscar? She has not. And she's been nominated five times. Okay. And there's this theory that a lot of critics have, which I don't know if that's true or not, but that... Once you get to a certain number of nominations, they're not going to nominate you again until you're going to win. Really? Which is why some people said that she didn't get nominated for Arrival. Because unless she was going to win, they weren't going to nominate her. Wow. And so, because I definitely think Arrival is one of her best performances. Absolutely. Ever. And so that's probably why she didn't get nominated for it. Um, the other thing that was interesting about SAG when it came out, so SAG does not give a best picture, but they give best ensemble, which is kind of their best picture nomination. So the nominees for best picture at SAG were A Star is Born, Black Panther, Black Klansman, Bohemian Rhapsody, and Crazy Rich Asians. The reason that's important is because out of all of those, Really, the only one that anyone's predicting to possibly have a chance of winning Best Picture is A Star is Born. The other ones that people are throwing around as possibilities for Best Picture win really are Roma, uh, Bill Street, The Favorite, and Vice. Those are kind of the ones that everyone's kind of talking about along with A Star is Born. Well, none of those other four that I just mentioned got nominated (laughs) for Best Ensemble. The reason that's important is there are only two films ever that have won Best Picture without getting an ensemble nomination at SAG. So, and that's 1995 Braveheart, and then last year, 2017, Shape of Water. Mm. Aside from that, it has not happened. So, either... I think the one that has the best shot of winning Best Picture, aside from A Star is Born out of the nominees for Best Ensemble is Black Klansman. I think it's showing a lot more strength than we thought. It's getting a lot more nominations than we thought. At SAG, it got a nomination for John David Washington mm-hmm. for Best Actor, mm-hmm. and also Adam Driver for Best Supporting Actor, mm-hmm. which a lot of people were not predicting. Adam Driver, I think, at this point, is getting a nomination at the Oscars for Best Supporting Actor. I mean, he was okay. Um, I don't think he'll win, yeah. but I think he's getting a nomination at this point because he's gotten everything that is important yeah. to get that. Um, so I think that's really interesting. Another thing that's interesting is that Bohemian Rhapsody got a nomination oh, <laughs> for Best dear. Ensemble because... Rami Malek was the only good thing in that movie. 
I definitely agree with that, uh, especially acting wise. I mean, the other people are fine. Well, They're yeah, fine. that's what I that's what I mean. I They're didn't mean everybody bad. was bad, but like he was the only standout to me. But comparing that to other things that did not get nominated mm-hmm. for best ensemble, right? Such as Green Book, mm-hmm. The Favorite, which mm-hmm. we just talked about, and both of us, even though Reba didn't. Becca, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. It's okay. Nickname. That's my nickname. No, yeah. But I like, realized that it was a great acting. performance by the ensemble. Yes. And so, even though Becca didn't particularly like this film, she recognizes that the acting in it is really good. Yep. And so, the fact that those things didn't get in, I think is a little bit... That's crazy. Not understandable. Right. Um, I'm confused. So we could actually have something interesting or this could just mean that A Star is Born is going to win Best Picture. And we liked A Star is Born, just yeah, it hasn't did. been our number one. The other thing to think about is maybe we're just underestimating some of these other films. So we might be underestimating Black Klansman. We might be underestimating Bohemian Rhapsody. It's gonna. It's predicted to hit over five hundred million dollars. That's crazy. Worldwide, um, this year, and it's um, also uh, Black Panther is another one. And essentially, it's really interesting because we got rid of best, um, like popular film. We got rid of that award. That's essentially what the SAG Best Ensemble nomination is. Because every film, aside from Black Klansman, so the other four, all made over $100 million. Mm. All four of the other ones did. Mm -hmm. Um, You've got Black Panther in there. Mm -hmm. Um, And Black Klansman didn't do poorly. I think it actually might be Spike Lee's highest grossing film. Oh, really? So, you've essentially got a best popular film... For this ensemble yep. category at SAG yep. is what you've got here, um, which I think is super interesting once we've gotten rid of that at the Oscars, and then you've got kind of like maybe this kind of backlash against that, yep. which I think is interesting. Yeah, for sure. So those are just some thoughts on my on the race so far. So like I said, I really liked The Favorite, just to bring it back. Um, my number one film of the year so far. Who knows if it'll be there. I will put out my list on Facebook. Um, I always do a list of my like top 20 films of the year. So, we'll And see. it was not my favorite. Will it be in your top 20 of the year? <laughs> yes, it's in my top 20. <laughs> will it be in your top 10? Perhaps. <laughs> it's okay if it's not. because I'd have to think about it. Probably my top ten. Two films that I know will be in your top ten are like teetering on the edge of not being in my top ten. What? Which are A Star is Born Uh and First Man. Both of those are teetering on being not in my top ten. So it's okay if this one is not. I think it probably is. Um, You did come up with a lot of reasons to like it. I did. I just, it made me... It made me feel very... I had this very uneasy feeling, which is not a bad way to leave a movie. I just didn't leave it loving it and thinking I could watch that again. The other thing, I I know I said we were done, but I forgot to bring this up. 
I laughed so much during this film, and I do think it's one of the strongest screenplays that I've it seen this year. It was a great year. screenplay. The writing in this is phenomenal. So that's another reason that this film is good. Another mm-hmm. strength of this film. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've we've talked about a lot of technical things, and I definitely think some of the stuff that we talked about, even though you didn't particularly enjoy the cinematography, it is very different than anything we've seen. Mm-hmm. And the lighting mm-hmm. thing, I think, makes it probably going to be nominated in that aspect yeah. as well. Just because it's not the same as everything else. Right. Um, so, I think that it's going to get quite a few Oscar nominations. Yeah. I would and be I fine with that. Interesting. All right, so we want to hear from you about what you think about The Favorite. Was it your favorite movie of the year, or was it maybe number 10 or 11 like me? (laughs) Um, It was your favorite, definitely. (laughs) Shoot us an email. Um, We'd love to hear from you. That's pbnj at themovies at gmail.com. Uh, which is the letters P-B-A-N-D-J at the movies at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening.